because we're we're going to test your baptistical senses this morning. Open God's words to the book of Acts. Told you a couple weeks ago we're going to do a brief review. No, everybody's not watching you. (laughs) Have a good time, girls. Bye-bye. That's precious. I love that. A couple weeks ago, about three weeks, well, the last two or three months, I I haven't got to stand behind here and preach to you a whole lot. We've had more guest speakers and missionaries than I think we have in the first rest of the time we've been here. Almost four years, if you can believe that already. So it's good to, good to be here today. But about three weeks ago, I told you we were going to start today with a quick review just to get us back into Acts, because you're going to be stuck with me for a while, because I don't see any visitors or missionaries in the in the close future coming. So it's I, I, I get my pulpit. So you're stuck with me. Well, let's go back. Let's... Uh, we're going to do a quick review. I've heard of a pastor, and I'm not sure who it is. I can't remember. It might be Chip Ingram. Um, it could be Francis Chan or David Platt. I don't remember. If anybody, if you know for certain after I tell you what I'm going to tell you, let me know. I'm just curious. They, they said that they have a plan that, that during their lifetime, they're, they're trying to go through the Bible and give every chapter of the Bible a one-word summary. So that they could sit down and, and use 28 words to help them remember what is in what chapter of each chapter in the book of Acts. Okay? Well, I tried that, and I got it down to one line per chapter. Um, maybe when I grow up, I'll get smart enough or whatever to get it down to one word and summarize it in one word so that it will trigger. But think about that. Maybe something you might want to try to do in your own time your own time with the Lord, your own time in his word, is that you could sit down and just have one word and and rip through the book of Acts. And Obviously, if you can make it into a sentence where they kind of flow together, that would be easier to to remember, of course. But uh, I'm not that good, so I'm not going to be able to give you one word for each chapter in the book of Acts, but I'm going to try to keep it to one line, and even then I'm probably not going to do that well. Chapter 1, the book of Acts. We have the Ascension. And then at the end of the book, they're choosing Matthias to replace Judas as the 12th apostle. Chapter 2, we have Pentecost. And we have Peter's first sermon. And his sermon is, Jesus is Lord and Christ. That's important to the Jews because the the, the term Christ to them, they know that that, that he was the Savior and the Messiah. Not that they acknowledge that, but that is the word they use for that. Chapter 3, if I can read my notes here. Peter and John, in the power and in the name of Jesus Christ, healed the lame man on their way into the temple. Peter preached his second sermon, talking about the covenants being filled, and that's when we talked about Jesus Christ fulfilled the, the law, and Jesus Christ fulfilled the temple good thank you jesus christ fulfilled and that's what peter was preaching in chapter three uh, chapter four we have the first persecution 
Peter and John are jailed. Peter addresses the Sanhedrin. They cannot deny that this lame man has been healed because the evidence is right before their eyes. So, but they don't want to admit that because if they admit that, then they're admitting that Jesus Christ is alive, that he rose, and they're admitting that Jesus Christ has power over death. And that would have cut their feet out from underneath them and their, their position. Chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Enough said there. <laughs> Second persecution, the apostles are jailed. Angel opens the gate at night. The apostles are beaten and told to be silent and not to talk about this Jesus Christ, this Messiah. Chapter 6, we have the, the Jews, the Hellenistic Jews, the widows, uh, versus the, the native uh, Jews. The, the disparity, the, the argument saying, hey, we're not getting our fair share. So we have, as a result of that, we have the, um, the seven deacons assigned to their position to take care of the widows to make sure that the, the food is distributed e- evenly. And, and of note is that all seven of the deacons that were appointed there were not of the Hebrew Jews, they were of the Hellenistic Jews, those that had been part of the dispersion that were brought back. Let's see. Yep, seven deacons chose third persecution, and Stephen is brought before the council. Chapter 7, Stephen preaches to the Sanhedrin. (laughs) Too too bad uh, Mr. Carnegie hadn't written his book at that point on how to win friends and influence people because Stephen called the Sanhedrin stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. Yeah, cut right to their hearts and he paid for his life with it because he was preaching and teaching the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Chapter 8, the fourth persecution. Saul leads the charge. The church is scattered. Philip, And part of that scatter, Philip goes to Samaria and preaches the word, and the people believe, but they don't receive the Holy Spirit. Peter and John come, lay their hands on, and we'll get in a, in a few minutes a reminder why it was important that Peter was there and part of that. We also have the Ethiopian treasure. Philip preached not only to all the Samaritans, but he preached to the Ethiopian treasure on his chariot. Chapter 9, our, our most recent time uh, here, Saul on his way to Damascus. We talked about Saul being without the light, and then Saul being under the light, and then Saul living in the light, and and how he was uh, transformed. Um, Interesting, too, that uh, one of my favorite things that we talked about there is just a short little thing, but talks about... Let me... I do better if if I can read it straight from the Scripture. Acts 9.5, Saul on the road to Damascus as he's fallen and blinded. He says, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Saul did not recognize the shepherd. Just a few verses down in verse 10, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, behold, here am I, Lord. When we're walking with the Lord, we recognize the shepherd's voice. 
Just to point that out. I just love that, that thought. That, that Saul didn't know who the Lord, didn't recognize the shepherd's voice. Ananias obviously was a follower of Jesus and he recognized the shepherd's voice. And something just hit me in that verse that I'm going to have to come back to later on. Um, well, I'll just give you the word now. He was named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision. Remember that? In a vision. Okay. Saul, let's see. Saul of Damascus converted. He starts preaching, spends three years in Samaria. He escapes. He comes back from Samaria and three years basically in the wilderness, spending time with God. And he comes back uh, to, the, to Damascus, and they, they're going to kill him. The Jews want to kill him because he's preaching that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So they chase him, and he runs back to Damascus, or excuse me, to Jerusalem, and the same thing happens there. Once the the brothers come alongside and accept him and realize that he's not there to murder him anymore, but that he is is converted, and he is now a Christ follower, the, the disciples or the other apostles have to help him escape the city and, and get out of town because... They want his neck on a platter because, again, he's going to undermine their authority because if Jesus is the Christ and Jesus is risen, then they have nothing left to stand on because they're standing on the law, they're standing on the temple, and we know that Jesus Christ fulfilled both of those. All right, that gets us to where we are close to, to get to start today's message. At the end, of, and three weeks ago, we were at the end of chapter nine, and we talked about three miracles, starting in verse thirty-two. Thirty-two to thirty-five was the the lame man that was healed. In verse thirty-four, it says Jesus Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Peter was not trying to heal anybody in in Peter's name or in Peter's power, because it would have been worthless. But he says in in the name Jesus in the name Jesus Christ heals you. Arise. And take your bed. And the the result of that, Lydia and all who lived there turned to the Lord. The next miracle, and and we we talked about the 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 better. Did I write it down? I'm going to get it wrong. Better, best, good, good, great, and greatest. Something like that. Okay, good, great. And greatest miracle. So the, the, the good one was the layman. The, the great one is that Peter raises Dorcas from the dead in the name of Jesus, not in his own power. We talked about how uh, we compared Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead and Elisha raising the Shunammite son from the dead and what Peter did here, raising Dorcas from the dead. And, and we talked about that, that Elisha and Peter had to get on their knees and pray and ask God to make this miracle happen. Jesus, because he is the author of life, did not have to pray to ask God to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. He did it in his own power. He did it because Jesus is the Son of God. So he didn't, he didn't, have, to, um, he didn't have to pray at that moment. The end result of all of them is the glory to the glory of God. The miracles were done in the name of Jesus Christ 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God the Father. The third miracle, as we, as we pick up in chapter 10 here, we're not, we're not going to get to the end of it. Um, it's going to be chapters 10 and 11, but it's salvation. It's the word going to the Gentiles. We talked about three miracles. There was three keys to the kingdom. From Matthew 16, turn it over with me real quick, briefly if you would. Matthew 16. <clears throat> Matthew 16, 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon, Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven and I also say to you that you Peter and excuse me that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven these were not physical keys okay the key in in the the biblical times and what that meant was that it was a basically a a badge of authority Uh, and and God gave authority to Peter Peter was there at Pentecost Peter and John went up to Samaria to lay their hands on to to have the Holy Spirit come upon them so that it was understood that Samaritans were now the same as the Jews as, as far as how they had access to God and in chapters 10 and 11 we're going to see the third key is that Peter is instrumental in bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. So Peter had that privilege, as, as, and, and, and this just should blow, blow our minds, that Peter is the one that denied Christ three times. He cussed and swore at that little maid that he knew nothing about that man, that he had nothing to do with Jesus. He didn't associate with him, he didn't even know who he was. And God, when, when, he, when he comes to his senses, Peter, Peter understands who he is, and he says, you are the Son of God. And Christ gives him the keys to the kingdom. He gives him the authority to, to usher in to the, to the Jews, to the Samaritans, and then to the Gentiles. The, the, the plan of salvation, the new salvation, because of what Christ did on the cross for us. Now we're get to chapter 10 in Acts. There's two, two, two parts here. The first eight verses um, talk about Cornelius. And then nine, I, I, we're not going to get through verse 23. I, I don't know why I thought. I knew when I put it up there that wasn't going to happen. Um, nine, nine through uh, 16. We'll hopefully make it to 16. Now there was a certain man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, 
a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. Guess what? All of that did not make him a righteous man. All of that did not make him a Christ follower. All of that did not make him a Christian. He was devout. He feared God with his household. He gave alms to the Jewish people. And he prayed to God continually. And yet, he was without Christ. He was without salvation. Well, how can that be? He was such a good man. He was doing so much good. Because it's not about what we do. Salvation is about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Fixing, verse 4, fixing his gaze upon him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? Because there's a vision, there's an angel. The angel said, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man, Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying at a certain tanner named Simon. Remember at the end, the last verse of chapter 9? Verse 43, it came about that he stayed many days in Joppa with a certain tanner, Simon, that had significance because the tanner dealt with dead bodies and the dead bodies made a Jewish man unclean. And it took quite something for Peter to stay in the house of an unclean man. And, and, it's, and it's stated again here. Now dispatch some men to Joppa. Send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a certain tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who was speaking to him had departed, Cornelius summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier to those who were in constant attendance upon him. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. An angel appeared to him in a vision. Now if we look down through... Bible history, there's, there's times where there are visions. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had a few, okay? And God gave Daniel to interpret them. Uh, Joseph had a couple dreams where his brothers were going to bow down to him, and it cost him something, but then he said, but God. You, you planned this for evil for me, but God knew what he was going to do in my life and how he was going to use me. We have angels appearing to Mary and Joseph. Okay, and and I I seriously want to raise the hands on this question. How many of you believe that God uses visions and dreams today in in a believer's life? Raise your hand if you believe that. Now, I don't know if some of you are raising your hands because you saw other hands go up and it was okay to go ahead. You can put them down. I'm surprised to see that many hands, but I'm glad to see that many hands. This week I got an email from ABWE. We get, through through our missions email, we get four or five a week. They're, they're just short clips of what's going on. Well, not that many in a week, but one or two, anyhow, every week. Um, just where, where there's ministries, where there's mission opportunities. It's not about the missionaries we support, but it's about what they're doing and and ABWE is doing. And one of them this week talked about, and I'm going to try to get it right, in Afghanistan, one of the missionaries, an ABWE missionary in Afghanistan, had someone come to their door a few weeks ago. 
And the man said, I had a vision that this door, if I came to this door, that I could find out about the prophet that's dressed in white. And to the Muslims, that's Jesus. He said, I had a vision that if I came here to this door, this color, this shape, this side, this door, that I could hear about Jesus. Also in the past month or two in Afghanistan, or, and I'm sorry, that was Afghanistan. It was either India or Pakistan, I can't remember. But a man came up to some missionaries that are serving there with ABWE. And he said, I had a vision that if I came up to you, you could tell me about the I am. I want to know about I am. Okay, so amen and amen. amen, amen. Okay, visions are not something normally that you'll find a lot of Baptist churches believing in or saying, yeah, God uses them. But God still uses them. But I'll tell you what, and you know, some people will say, well, he just had bad pepperoni on his pizza last night, and that caused him to have that bad dream. Just as the work that Peter is doing in the book of Acts and healing people in the name of Jesus, it was done for the glory of God. And these dreams were done for the glory of God. They weren't to make some televangelist rich, send me your money. They, they weren't done for man's glory. They weren't done for man's missions. They were done to accomplish God's will. That these people would know where to go to hear about the gospel. That Jesus can do that today. Very unbaptistical. Very biblical. God has used them from, through time. As we look quickly... You know, no, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there. We're going to, next week, we'll pick up in verse 9. Peter also has a vision. And what is the purpose of that vision? To carry out the will of God. So that it might be known what God wanted Peter to do. So that he would understand that he was to take the gospel to the Gentiles. My, 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 my last line on my note, and I'm not real strong, I'm sure how to, how to wrap it in, tie it in, but God has a plan for your life. And in these lives of these, these, these men in, in Afghanistan and India or Pakistan, the purpose of that was to draw them to Christ. The reason that he gave them those visions was to draw them to Christ, that he might know them, that they might know his plan for their life. And each one of us needs to know that God has a plan for our lives. His greatest desire is that each and every one of us would come to Jesus Christ, depend on Jesus Christ, rely on the work that Jesus Christ did for salvation. 
not on our good works. And, and just as the description of Cornelius here was not, not that you give alms to the church, not that you uh, fear, not that you, you do everything right that you're supposed to do to look religious, but that you fully and completely lean on Jesus Christ, that it is only Jesus Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is only in the name of Jesus that we can be saved, that we can have salvation, that we can spend eternity with Jesus Christ. It is only in the name of Jesus Christ. And that was God's plan being worked out here in Acts through these visions, through these angels appearing to these men. It wasn't about glorifying Peter or Cornelius, elevating them and putting them up on a pedestal. Look what happened to them. They're really spiritual because they had a vision from God. Absolutely not. It was about the name of Jesus Christ being proclaimed and being worked out in their lives and in the lives of the Gentiles. We'll find out in the next couple of weeks in, in chapter 10 and 11. We, we are going to move into communion now. Let me, let, me, let me pray first. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what Jesus Christ did for us. And Father, it's my heart's desire and just pray that that your Holy Spirit would not leave anybody alone in this auditorium today that, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, who hasn't put their complete faith and trust in him. Father, tomorrow might be too late. Help them to understand that it needs to be today that they throw themselves at your feet and worship Jesus Christ as the Savior as the only way to heaven. Thank you for your word, Father. And as, as we move into communion, we ask that, that it would be done in a, in a remembrance, that it would be done in a reverential way to, to worship you, not to worship the elements, but to worship you, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.